pray with me? Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your greater glory our supreme concern. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I speak to you now in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may be seated. You know, the other day, I was getting ready. I'd been invited out uh, to enjoy. That's my goddaughter, who is aiming at me already. So I know I'm preaching all right. Just got started. <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> so uh, I'm getting ready to get ready to go out with some friends. I just brushed my teeth and put my deodorant on, and I'm ready to head out. Uh, we get to the restaurant. We have a wonderful meal. I drink uh, a lot of tea, and so at this point, I am uh, ready, uh, ready to go to the restroom. So I go to the restroom and handle my business, and then I get into uh, the mirror, ready to wash my hands. And to my surprise, I realize that not only do I have toothpaste on my mouth, uh, but I've got deodorant stains on my shirt. You know, when you rush and you... Uh, and I was rushing, so I didn't get a chance to, uh, to really check myself out before that happened. And, and I thought, man, like, these people have been eating dinner with me, and I had this stuff on my... And nobody loved me enough to tell me <laughs> that, that I looked a fool, like <laughs> I looked a mess. Somebody should have looked and told me, hey, man, you got some stuff on your face. Uh, none of my friends, not only did I not have a mirror, clearly, but none of my friends were willing to be that mirror and help me help me get right. Uh, when I go to dinner with Megan, uh, she makes sure that she looks me over, and I was used to that, and so this kind of caught me off guard. I, didn't, I thought I was looking good. I was living my best life, and lo and behold, I'm, I'm looking a mess. Then there are friends uh, I have that when you go out with them, uh, we have these intentional conversations. We pick up where we left off, we have real friendship, uh, no distance, no time matters. When we get together, we pick up where we left off. I never, it always seems to be that when we have uh, these conversations and we go out uh, and enjoy ourselves, uh, the conversation always gets back to how are you living? How's your soul? And I love these friends because they really check on me. They help me as, 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 as a mirror, if you, if you would say, kind of allow me to see myself. And they hold this up. And do you like what you see? And they challenge me. Uh, and there's a love-hate relationship with these friends because uh, I need what they're saying, but sometimes hearing it hurts. You have friends like that who, who tell you the truth, but sometimes that truth stings a little bit. But I think this is a kind of example of our culture today. There are some in the world who just let you live any old kind of way, and you can look any old kind of way, and they don't challenge you, and and all of that stuff. And then you have friends and there are other people within the church, uh, hopefully, uh, that challenge you. And when you're in a relationship with them, they, they want to make sure that you look like Jesus. And sometimes they tell you the truth in love and it stings little. Well, that is our brother James. Our brother James. If you have your Bibles, let's go uh, to the book of James. Uh, he is uh, an apostle, uh, the brother uh, of our Lord first bishop of Jerusalem, and he's writing during a time uh, during, of great Christian persecution in the early 40s, 50s, and 60 AD. He is writing, and the church is being persecuted, and he is writing to 12, uh, 12 groups of people who have been scattered because of the persecution. He, as their pastor, he's writing a letter to them, to this Jewish community. These are Jewish people who have come to 
come to faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and he's writing to them. And just like a good friend, he pulls no punches. James' epistle is kind of like a mirror. And while some epistles, when you read them, like Paul, he's writing, it's clear he's writing to a, a group of people, uh, and you can read and you're kind of sitting in on that conversation. It's hard to read James's letter and think of anybody else but you. When you read the epistle of James, it, it, it's reflective. You, you hold, it's a mirror, and you have to look at yourself first before you can apply it to anyone else. That's the intent of this message, and so uh, that's the intent of this letter. And so James starts off, he says, brother, uh, verse, uh, let's go with verse 16 first, and we'll go into verse uh, 17. He says, brothers, do not be deceived. Every good gift, every good, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, no shadow, due to change. What is he saying? He's saying God is consistent. And everything that has happened in your life, every good thing that has happened in your life, is because of God. He is highlighting God as actor. Now this is important because the, the Jewish folks who have read this letter would have automatically tied this in with verse 13, right? Verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person, as they are lured away and enticed by their own desires, are lured away and enticed by their own desires, and then when desire it has conceived, and gives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. We see an immediate uh, contrast between the actions of man and the actions of God. Man, following his desire, his actions lead to death. But James tells us that God's actions are good, that he is faithful, that he is consistent, that he doesn't change. Especially the Jewish readers, when they would have read this portion here, uh, they would have thought about the book of Genesis. Who is, uh, who is the father of lights? They would have thought of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. You see, it is God who creates everything. And it's his word that bears fruit. Not only in our lives, but in the world. The same word that he spoke over 2,000 years ago is still holding up the sun. It is God who has made everything. Light and darkness, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, everything. So they are seeing that God is not only active and involved in our lives, but God is also active and involved in creation. Why is this important? Because these people are being displaced, and yet... James is reminding them that they are still surrounded by the creative power of God. That even in their displacement, even in their stress, even in their struggle, they are still surrounded by the in-keeping power, the creative power of God. That God's word is still effective. And that's important to know when you come under persecution because you start to doubt God. And so he's assuring them up front, God is consistent. He is faithful. He's reminding the Jewish people that God has been faithful down through the years. He was faithful uh, with Moses. He was faithful with Joshua. He was faithful 
throughout the, the, the entire uh, history of Scripture. But he's also been faithful in your life. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what challenges, the struggles you face. But maybe you need to know today that God is faithful. That no matter what the challenge is, no matter what the, the obstacle is, God is faithful. And even more than that, that God is good. Sometimes we can go through situations in our lives and we can doubt the fact that God is good. James wants us to know up front, God is not tempting us with evil and his actions toward us are good. The prophet says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord's plans to bring you to an expected end. These are good plans. He knows the details of your life. He knows where you are. And James is reminding these people who are in distress, God is with you. His word is still present. His word is still true. And more importantly, his character has not changed. And so let's go forward a little bit. We're on verse uh, number 18. Verse number 18. It says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit. By his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Whose will? God's will. The word of truth. What is he talking about? He's talking about the person of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the person of Jesus Christ. See, God is truth. And knowing God, to know God, is to know truth. How do we know this? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He is saying to us that God has birthed us. We have new life in Christ Jesus. We've been birthed by the gospel through faith in the action, the saving work of Jesus Christ. We've been birthed into new life in Christ Jesus. This word is true. And he says, he goes on and says that we should be a kind of first fruits. Well, any Jewish reader would know immediately when they say when when James says first fruits uh, that he's he's kind of talking back uh, to the old temple offering system. You see, Jews were required to give the first of everything they had to the Lord. We read in scriptures that that uh, people were even tithing uh, spices and different things like that, and so it was beyond money. But they had an understanding that everything comes from the from the Lord. It was Saint Augustine who says, "All things come of Thee, O Lord." And of thy own have we given thee. We say that during offering, but it applies much more to our offerings and our finances. It applies to our entire lives. See, they understood that everything they had was because of God, because of this good God who acted first. This good God who acted first. And he says that we should be a first fruits. What is he saying? He says, hey, we were birthed in Christ. We have new life in Christ, and our lives don't belong to ourselves. We said last week, we taught you last week, that our lives are literally Christ. It's not we who live, but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when we live our lives, people ought to see Christ in us. They ought not see Lawrence. That's why I got all these vestments on, to cover it up. They ought to see Jesus Christ. They ought to see Jesus Christ. When we look in the mirror, friends, we ought not see our reflection. But we ought to see the love of God who is active in our lives, who is consistently making us more and more and more like Jesus Christ. He says we are the first fruits. Well, what, why, why are we the first fruits? What is that for? 
Well, it's for the world. Our lives, James is saying, is supposed to be an example to the world. People ought to know that you are a Christian, not by the size of the Bible that you carry, not because of the cross that you wear on your neck, or because of the uh, what would Jesus do sticker on your car, or whatever, whatever. No, people ought to know that you are a Christian by the way you live your lives. Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. By your love, by the way you live your life. He goes on, verse 19. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filth, all wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You see, when you're under persecution, it's easy to complain. It's easy to talk about they and what they have done and how they have wronged you and and what, what should happen. And if you're not careful, you can start to slander your brother. They're good for nothing. I wish they were dead. I wish they would... Uh, something would happen to them so that my life would be easier. We, if we're not careful, we, could, we can go down that, that, that path. I don't know about you, but, but I can. So maybe just let me, let me talk about me. You, you listen in on that. I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to go down that path, especially when things aren't going my way. And James is saying, listen, even though things aren't going your way, even though you are under great persecution with, from the Roman Empire, even though you have been dispersed and, and sent away from your homeland, Don't do what the world does. Jesus is life. The scriptures tell us that life and death cannot come out of the same tongue. Just like salt water and fresh water can't flow out of the same stream. If we are Christians and God is a life-giving, life-breathing God, if God's creative word caused us to, when he breathed the breath of life into us, we became a living creature and his word is creative and makes things alive and quickens them, then we too have that same power. And what we say actually matters. So James is saying, hey, yeah, put away all of that stuff, all that slander, all that filth, all that wickedness, and receive the word of God, the truth, the life, which is able to, receive, which is able to save your souls. What is he saying? Don't be like the world when persecution comes. Be like Jesus Christ, who, while he was being beat, forgave people. An innocent man beat for our transgressions, and yet when he's on the cross, the last words he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. One of the last things Jesus does is offer an absolution and offers forgiveness to the world, and we are saved today because of it. He's saying the same thing. Hey, I know those people are are persecuting you. Uh, He's talking to this Jewish community. I know it's hard, but forgive them. Forgive them. Why? Because Christ forgave you. Friends, I could say the same about us. Sometimes maybe the person we need to forgive the most is the person that is persecuting us the most, the person that we are having the most challenge with. It's a Catholic cardinal. uh, They're all in the news, and they all have something to say right about now with what's going on in the world. But a Catholic cardinal said this. He said, when you are under persecution and there is someone that you don't like, 
Don't think, God, why must I endure this? Think, God, thank you for sanctifying me. Because by this, I can see who I really am. That's what James is getting at. Hey, love people. Forgive them. Do what Christ did. Why? Because you are living witnesses. Why? Because you are little Christ, Christians in the world. And people will know the way that you are Christians because of the way you live your life. So don't participate in that foolishness. Do what you see Jesus do. Verse number 22. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving, your, deceiving yourselves. For everyone is a, every for if everyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. There's that mirror again. And he says, For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, is perseveres, being no hearer who forgets being no hero who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in all of his doing. Being, being not just hearers, but doers. What is he talking about? He's kind of making a reference to the Pharisees. We, we hear over and over again that the Pharisees get a bad rap, and, and Jesus is always talking to them. He gives the seven woes, Woe to you, you Pharisees and hypocrites, because you clean the outside of the dish, but the inside is horrible. You see, they wanted to be seen by men, and they practiced their religion, and they did all the right things. They, they genuflected right. When they, they, they gave the right amount of offerings, and they did all those things. But when it came to living out to be seen, they did all those things to be seen. But when it came to living out the word of God, they were bankrupt. They gave the first fruits. They gave everything that God belonged, but they forgot to give God their heart. They forgot to put the word of God into practice. And so he is saying to, the, to, the, to these people who have been displaced, it's not enough to go to church. You know the word. You know the word. It's not enough just to listen to it. Put it into practice. Be doers. Apply it to your lives and live it out. Be doers of the word. Don't be like the Pharisees. Put it into action. Don't just have outward signs that you are a Christian. Be a Christian in your heart. Make sure that there is a place in your heart that is reserved for Christ. And it is out of that place that you live your life. Verse number 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God.